Today on Field Trip, our story is from Virginia. Using design thinking, Halifax County High School has been making some big changes. So often when we are engaged in change initiatives, we like to create solutions without going to the actual person or people that we're creating solutions for. So with design thinking, it's a human-centered process. So that means our students, our teachers, our community is at the core of this process. We're taking a look at how they're empowering teachers, students, and their community to put ideas into action. Teachers have the answers. They know what will make a school run. They just need a place to use their voice and work together uh, so that they can collectively make change. Students will tell you exactly what they need, and, and most oftentimes they're the most creative people in the building. It's our job to give them an outlet uh, for voice. It's the podcast for leaders in K-12 education. I'm Ryan Estes, and from Frontline Education, you're listening to Field Trip. We are here today with Dr. Karen Sanzo, who is a professor of educational leadership at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, and with Michael Lewis, who is the principal at Halifax County High School in South Boston, Virginia. Karen and Michael, thank you both for being with me today. Certainly my pleasure uh, to, to be a part of this, and thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you. Halifax County High School has been on a journey to reimagine how they do things. Michael had a conversation with his superintendent and said, you know, we'd like to explore making some changes in our school division. And the superintendent connected him with Karen, who brought some outside expertise to the table. I said to Michael and Karen, it's interesting that you chose the word reimagine to describe what you're doing. And I asked them, what was important about that word, reimagine? For me, personally, I think it, it provides us a way of exploring how to redesign your school in a way that is potentially comprehensively different from the way that it's been run for decades. You know, our, our whole school system is based on an agrarian model that is a century or more old. And this, this takes us out of that mindset and opens the door for possibilities with our school, whether you are having an entire new building built or you're working within the existing structure to reimagine. I think for me also, it, it sparks creativity with teachers. It just opens the door to so many different possibilities rather than school turnaround, because that, that assumes that you're existing almost with the same exact model and you're just tweaking around the edges. This essentially opens the door to an entirely new way of practicing what you do within your school. I, I think for me, and I say this a lot, we want to set our sights above the ceiling or really high. Uh, so using that term allows our teachers, in this case, and part of our innovation team, to really imagine anything could be possible at Halifax County High School and not stick to what the known is. Uh, you know, it's breaking the mold. And I think Karen talked about breaking the mold of the 100-year model, uh, I think it's important that, that we imagine what is possible and set our sights way out there uh, and, instead of just reviewing the things we've been doing. Of course, that's part of the process, too. We want to review where we're at, but we also want to set our sights really high and, and 
course, I tell our team all the time, we want to be the best high school around. In order to do that, we got to set our sights above what the known is. So we got to really imagine and, and reimagine our high school as it could be and not as it has been. One thing that played an important role in this work, Michael and Karen said, was the idea of design thinking. That's a concept that we hear a lot about in education, but I asked Karen to define it for us. What does design thinking look like in a process like this? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I want to say first is for me, design thinking really isn't something that's new, even though it's gained popularity within the past several years, thanks to a lot of wonderful many organizations. Um, But design thinking essentially allows us in our schools, whether you are thinking about a lesson plan or how you collaborate with colleagues or thinking about your classroom design with the furniture and structure or from an entire school with the comprehensive redesign, this allows you to understand your stakeholders. So often when we are engaged in change initiatives, We like to create solutions without going to the actual person or people that we're creating solutions for. So with design thinking, it's a human-centered process. So that means our students, our teachers, our community is at the core of this process. Nothing is done without talking to all of those, and we, we call them users or stakeholders. And what we also try to do is to bring them into this change process itself. So for me and and for Halifax, we are able to put students, teachers, and community at the core of everything that we do and, and ask them to help us drive those decisions for change. Michael said that at first, design thinking was quite a shift from what the staff was used to. Typically, we're used to being problem solvers. I mean, teachers solve problems every minute, every day. Uh, so for them, using a process to, to get answers was somewhat difficult in the beginning. Uh, but as they began to use the process more, that they found that, that great answers could be found by doing some research, by, by seeing what's out there, by doing site visits uh, and things like that. So for, for me, it was, it was eye-opening to sit back and look what all the possibilities were. You know, as a principal, of course, I saw problems, too. Uh, but being able to sit back and take your time and actually study something. Uh, in, in one case, we, we studied our attendance policy. We'd been using a policy for a number of years that had a, a time for time philosophy. So if you missed time, you had to make time up. Uh, well, I've been told for a number of years, I've been here eight years, that uh, it's not working. Uh, so throughout this process, the teachers developed a, another policy that, that eliminated the time for time. Uh, they they studied it and they implemented, uh, you know, a reward policy basically for for students to get incentives if they come to school. And and right now it's it's being very effective. Uh, we're just giving out five dollar gift cards to Bojangles, and we have students who are who are coming to school uh, just to receive these these small incentives. Uh, and of course, this was a teacher developed policy. You know that I'll be honest, I was somewhat reluctant to. Um, I didn't believe initially that it would work, but now after seeing it in place and, and trusting in the folks that have been here for years, uh, our stakeholders, our teachers, our, our folks that are in the trenches, they, they have great ideas. Karen, I wonder if you could also speak to this idea of giving some, some a few different concrete examples of using design thinking as you work with school districts. Sure. So I, I, I think when I, when I, 
think about the work when I'm going to speak about Halifax, it, it really is a process of helping people who have spent oftentimes a number of years within the same school or the same school district and allowing them to see possibilities outside of where they typically work. There are lots of terrific solutions already in place in Virginia and across the country that are addressing vexing problems of practice in schools. So for example, we took a site visit to a couple of high schools in Virginia Beach, and it was powerful for the Halifax teachers to be on site at these two different high schools who were extremely giving of their time. They had a a wonderful site visit planned for us. And through that journey, the teachers came back and were able to implement some strategies almost automatically. So for example, at Halifax, you had something I think called flight time, where students were able to get some additional tutoring or or pulled out for different types of support or enrichment. But they really wanted to, again, reimagine what that flight time could look like. And so when, when they visited a high school in Virginia Beach, they saw this club day experience. They came back to Halifax. They comprehensively redesigned what this club day could look like. And students were able to select areas of interest. And um, this was such a well-received initiative. They're continuing to do it at the high school. They're again going to launch it in the spring. So those students who may need some additional tutoring and support can have that. But students who are interested in cosmetology can go and have 11 or 12 opportunities throughout the spring to learn more about cosmetology or who may want to play basketball or who may want to go into some of the more CTE areas just to learn about that. And so being able to see what's happening in practice, having those tangible experiences is is very powerful for educators. This whole process didn't begin because of glaring problems of practice, Michael said. Instead, He saw people having a lot of great ideas for solving some of the issues that the school faced, and he wanted to give those people a voice. Every every high school has challenges. Every school has challenges. Uh, This this gives us an opportunity to meet and talk about those challenges and develop programs and and change things for our students. I mean, we've done so many things that we probably could talk several hours (laughs) about it, but uh, I've, I've got groups working on policy and procedures. Uh, all the way to what are the next innovative classes we may bring in. So it, it's a it's a process that's very open. Uh, and, and from the get-go, we, we told them we, we want you to, to imagine things. We want you to shoot for the ceiling. We, we don't want to set our sights low at all. Uh, so, so, yes, every school has challenges, but this was a, a way to internally solve some of our challenges and, of course, move our high school forward as we redesign what we're doing. And I was just going to jump in and to say what I what I see with Halifax is is not so much of the challenge either is that it's a wonderful opportunity in Virginia. Several years ago, they rolled out, and I actually can't remember how many years now, but it's a profile of a graduate. So thinking about what do we want our students to be able to know, do be able to do when they go out into the world when they graduate from high school. So it's a wonderful opportunity to launch this design journey, to reimagine this possibility. So in Halifax and in other schools in Virginia, they really are at this place of opportunity to reimagine how they 
run their schools, how schools are, are conceived. And it's great to have this impetus from the state that provides you this space to, to rethink how you might run your schools. Initially, we, we wanted to know how, how can we make sure our students are successful in college and all the workforce and be life ready. These are some questions we had. Of course, within that, you know, the, the economy is changing. The world is characterized by rapid change today. So how do, how do we better prepare our students to face the challenge of today's world? So really, we went into this, or I did, with a very open mind. I, I didn't have an agenda, so to speak. Um, you know, obviously, as principal, there, there are different directions and things you want to go. But but I left the agenda really wide open in this so that, that teachers really felt invested in it and empowered by it. Uh, so we, we literally asked them from day one, what do, what do you want to look into? What are some things you want to do? And, and of course, there were some policies they wanted to talk about. They wanted to look into teacher morale, and, and, and we've done that. Uh, and from there, I mean, it's gone. And we have, we have a group working on safety. We have a group working on do we change back to a traditional schedule or stay with four by four scheduling. Uh, so, so we're going a lot of different directions. We've, we brought in some new classes from this. And of course, Karen mentioned earlier some of our site visits. So, so we visited schools in Virginia Beach, but we also uh, visited schools similar to, to our makeup. From that, we, we brought in some new classes. Uh, so for me, it was not so much about a, a top-down agenda as it was, what do you guys see we need to work on? Where can we go with this, uh, with, with these things in, in mind? How do we make sure our students are successful in college and all the workforce? And how do we make sure they're life-ready for an ever-changing world? Uh, so we, we posed that question, and, and, and literally our staff has driven the agenda for the most part. Hmm. The team that you were working with, this this team of faculty, uh, tell me about that team. How did you choose the people who would be a part of it? And uh, you know, were you simply looking for representation across departments or were there specific characteristics of people that made you say, hey, we really want you to be a part of this? What were the what went into your decision process there? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd Actually, none of those. Uh, I believe in the power of choice. So I, I sent an email to the entire faculty, and and I said, anyone who's interested in being part of this team, send me an email. Uh, so they they chose themselves. And in, interestingly enough, we were able to keep every single person who volunteered because it was it was about a fourth of our our staff. Uh, so it worked out perfectly. So we didn't have to turn anyone away. Uh, and of course, in that group. We're very fortunate also it was a good spread of folks. So we, we had people from different departments and different areas of the building. So uh, within that group, we, we had some people who were really, really interested in different topics, too. So that, that helped some as well. You you mentioned the idea of learning from students and allowing students to have a voice into this inquiry process. What did that look like? How did you go about collecting student input to what you were doing? Yeah, I think that's something we're still still working on. I, we, we developed a new leadership class uh, out of this innovation process, um, and, and we've really leaned on, on those students to, to give us information at this point. And, uh, most of those meetings have taken place, either me going to their class and talking to them and just getting some ideas, uh, or most recently, we had them join our our innovation team uh, for about thirty minutes and and 
opened the floor up for them to talk to teachers. We had students and teachers at, at round tables in the library. Uh, had a lot of positive feedback from both sides on that. You know, students will tell you exactly what they need, and, and most oftentimes they're the most creative people in the building. It's our job to give them an outlet uh, for voice and, and listen to them. I think step one for us was getting this leadership class in place. I, I think next steps are getting them around the table more often uh, and, and giving them a voice on a weekly to monthly basis. And, and of course, having them help us control the school climate. You know, where do we go? What, what do we need to do? How, how do we make school more inviting for students? What opportunities do you need? Uh, what classes do you want? Uh, I, I think, again, the opportunities are endless. Um, and of course, I think students, they dream big. If you talk to students, most oftentimes they dream very big. And that's what you need when you're talking about reimagining the high school. You, you want to dream big. And Brian, can I add to that a little bit? Please. Sure. So when you look at the design thinking journey, there are five different I would say five different steps, although to say steps is wrong because design thinking is really quite a messy process mm. and, and it's, it's extremely nonlinear. So you're always coming back to different parts of the process. But where we start in design thinking is this empathy phase where you're learning about your stakeholders. And when Michael brought the teams together, the first part was I, I gave a general overview of what design thinking is. It was a design thinking institute, essentially. And part of that is to learn how to go about this customer inquiry component. So how do we take these questions? How might we reimagine Halifax County High School? And then drilling down to the specific areas that the team had identified. And from that, creating observation protocol and interview protocols so that we can really learn from our stakeholders. So the teachers in Halifax were incredibly insightful in the types of questions they were asking to learn from their stakeholders. So they went to the students. They also went to the community. But if you're looking specifically at, about students and, and having those conversations, and these weren't lengthy interviews. These were those anecdotal informal interviews that you can have as students are coming into school or having lunchtime conversations or classroom conversations about different parts of this reimagination, of, of this reimagining journey. And then from there, we brought that information back in this design phase where, where we're defining what our stakeholders are looking for. So both the high level themes, but also some of those other voices that you might not have picked up through this empathy process. And so from there, that that's also how we use their voices to create those types of experiences, such as that leadership class, which has been absolutely phenomenal. And one thing that Michael didn't mention is these students from that leadership class went to the state capitol to speak to legislators in Richmond. Oh, wow. And, and this was all generated from this design thinking process that Halifax has taken. What kinds of questions uh, were you asking at this point in time, or was the team asking of the students and of other stakeholders? I, th I think what Michael was mentioning there is it's just as simple as what are things you'd like to see different here hmm. at Halifax? What are classes that you wish that you could have? When the students came into the, the innovation team meeting a week or two ago, uh, I know Michael was asking, so you have friends at other schools. What types of classes are, are they having that you'd like to see here? What experiences are you having? How is technology 
being used as an instructional tool in your classroom. So both high-level questions, but very targeted and specific ones, too, related to instruction and pedagogy. So empathize, that is really understanding your stakeholders and collecting information from them, is the first step of the design thinking process. And it goes on from there. The second is define. The third is ideate, where you, where you take those conversations and you theme them out. And then the next is prototyping. So how do you create, in, in this case, in education, how do you create these change initiatives that are going to help propel your organization forward? And then the last one is to test out these initiatives. And so the idea is that you're testing these out in short cycle opportunities so that you're learning and you're feeding back that that those experiences and you can refine the prototype. One of the other pieces that I've done with the team that I think is important when you think about this design thinking process and, and you don't see it as much in the literature is coupling design thinking with continuous improvement. And what, what Halifax has done and what we've done collectively is to overlay an improvement science model on top of this design thinking process. So design thinking really unleashes creativity and potential. But we have to be careful that we're also continuously measuring the efficacy of those efforts and feeding back that data into this process and refining whatever those change initiatives are. So, for example, with the leadership class, making sure that we are continuously evaluating those experiences, talking to the students, looking at the learner outcomes. So when that course is taught again and if it's spread throughout the the school, how do we take those lessons and make sure that this is the most powerful class and it serves as a model for other schools in the state? Because it really is a powerful class right now. I appreciated what you said about design thinking being a messy process. And I'm guessing that what that means is there's not a standard roadmap to follow apart from these five steps. Is that correct? And are you, are you essentially building the plane as you're flying it a little bit? I think you have to. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good analogy. And, and you have to be okay with that messiness and that you are building the plane as you're as you're flying it. You cannot take a pre-packaged structure and overlay it into any school because context absolutely matters in this process. I asked Michael to tell me about one area that they've been working on that stands out to him. And he mentioned the additional classes that they began offering. They revived a Teachers for Tomorrow class with 17 teachers cadets who received paraprofessional licenses, including one student who works half days at an elementary school as an ELL instructor. We've also added added some humanities courses where we've combined English uh, with history, uh, specifically English 11 and Virginia and U.S. history, uh, and then then in the 12th grade, English 12 uh, and government. So these are AP dual enrolled classes that that we're now piloting and offering here at the school based on this process. I mean, I think for me in part that those extra classes were almost a wonderful unintentional consequence (laughs) of the messy design thinking journey. And I think what I want to say is I think it's a tribute to Michael as a principal and the teachers at the school with their faith not only in the process, but I think even more importantly, their faith in themselves. Because part of what we did with the site visit, so I'll back up. So we went through the design thinking process with the empathy and specifically thinking about what do we want to see 
as we go on these site visits at analogous high schools. So what are some high schools that are similar to us or, or perhaps even a little bit different from us, which is important as well? And what do we want to see? So we want to see classes. We want to see how these classes can possibly be taught collectively. We want to see different types of courses from what we normally teach here at Halifax County and thinking about what are the questions we want to ask those individuals, so the teachers and the administrators as they went through this process. So for example, at Callum High School in Virginia Beach, it really was, how did you go about developing a strategic planning process to undertake this comprehensive school redesign? And they were very giving of showing us this three-year process that was mapped out for the strategic plan that you can't do everything at once. And so talking us through how do you reimagine courses and then how do you deploy these courses in a thoughtful way that doesn't overwhelm collectively the staff and you can get buy-in from your faculty, your community, and, and your students. And so when, when Halifax went on these site visits, it's the teachers themselves that came back with this energy and, and enthusiasm of seeing these classes that they didn't have at their school. And, and they went to Michael after the site visits to say that they wanted to implement these different courses. And, and Michael can speak to us the conversations that took place between the teachers and, and him and, and the administration. But essentially it was, okay, go forth and design this and let's see how it how it rolls out. And with the leadership class in particular, that teacher is absolutely phenomenal. She has the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm to help these students become amazing leaders, both at the high school and in the Halifax community. But it really was this messy process that, you know, we I couldn't have predicted that this particular course would have been developed at the start of the design thinking journey. Absolutely no way. And it really was, this idea was sparked through those visits and seeing the possibilities that could happen in schools. Michael, can you speak to those conversations between teachers? What did you observe uh, being batted around and, and talked about? Yeah, and I think looking back on, on the process, and I think Karen mentioned this earlier, a lot of our teachers actually went to school here. They went to college and came back here and taught. So for them, this was high school. What what happens at Halifax County High School is what happens at every high school. Uh, come to find out through through their journeys and, and support from superintendent being able to go to all, all these different schools, there's more out there. Uh, so it was an eye-opening experience for, for both them and myself. Uh, so I probably had the simplest job of all. all. All I had to do was agree to it. You know, they they came up with these ideas. Say, I, I just want to dig into this. I want to try it. I think we can pull it off. And for me, it was just being taking the risk. You know, yes, we'll, we'll try it. Of course, the risk has, has reaped a lot of rewards at this point. Uh, so, so I think. For, for me, it was about putting folks out there who, who may have not had other experiences, and including myself. I, I went to this school. I graduated here. I uh, went to college and came back. So my experience in high schools was limited pretty much to Halifax County High School. So the same thing for me, getting out and being able to visualize and talk to people and, and see what other folks are doing uh, was eye-opening as well. So I think through observation, through talking to other 
teachers and educators across schools, uh, we were able to bring some of these ideas to life. It's gone in a lot of different directions, and I, I think Karen was on to something uh, when she said we didn't start with the intention of adding any of these classes, and I, I think that was the power of having an open agenda uh, and, and truly giving the reins over to this team and allowing them to feel empowered and help make decisions that will make, make the school better. And, and you know, that's, that's difficult for a principal sometimes to, to do that, to say, hey, here it is, let's make it happen. But truly, in the end, I think it's well worth it when you develop collective efficacy with your staff and everybody's working towards common goals. Uh, you, you get a lot more done than if it's top down. Uh, so, so part of the process for me was teachers being empowered, teachers feeling a part and, and truly, if you talk to them, which we have, uh, we've interviewed several of them. They, they've outlined that is what they like best. They feel like they're making a difference and they feel like their voice matters. Uh, we've talked to them about some of the challenges as well. I thought one of the challenges was, was not a big problem. They said we need to do this more often. You know, so we've, we've been able to, to meet more often and we've had some individual group meetings as, as well as large group meetings. Uh, so, so this this process is is messy, but it is very productive. And, and if you saw some of our our drawings and and some of our notes that were taken during some of these meetings, you you would understand the the messy side of it very well. Uh, as you look at where you are in the process now and look at the results that you have gotten, where have you been able to observe the most dramatic impact at Halifax? Yeah, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a very weighted question. I think we've been able to impact our students because of this. You know, there, there's more opportunities for them. We've been able to impact our class offerings because of this. Uh, not, not only all academic, but we, we conducted a CTE audit, which led to bringing in some additional courses as well. So that's your career and technical side. Uh, we were able to bring in landscaping, which is a high-needs area, even here in, in Halifax County. And, of course, it's one of the highest uh, growing job offerings uh, in the state of Virginia. I guess the, the largest impact for me is that we now have a staff that's collectively working together to bring about powerful change in their school. And there, again, this comes from a, my belief that teachers – have the answers. They know what will make a school run. They just need a place to use their voice and work together uh, so that they can collectively make change. Again, through all of this, Karen served as an outside facilitator. And I asked her, why was that important? What did that bring to the process? So what I think having a facilitator in this type of process provides is, is first you have someone whose sole focus is the design thinking process and the journey itself. Because administrators have so many different things going on in their day and teachers as well. So to have that person on the outside sending emails, doing these check-ins, asking you, uh, what do you need and how can I support you? Because as, as Michael said, the teachers and the administrators in Halifax are amazing. and. We always talk about the answers in the room, that collectively as a group, they will be able to find the right solutions to these opportunities of practice 
to move the high school forward. But what a facilitator does is I'm able to come in and provide that structure to this messy process. I'm able to provide the technical support because of my background in doing this with other school districts that I have the, the research background that can be coupled with the process. And also, I think, too, the ability to connect the high school with not only other educational organizations in the state, but also being able to have that level of familiarity just from my reading and research with what's happening nationally. And again, I think you can tell by talking to Michael, he's, he's incredibly knowledgeable in all of these different areas, but to have somebody who, again, is, is that, who has that sole focus of this with the organization is important. I think too, when I, when I talk about, when I talk with other educators about bringing in a facilitator, she or he provides what we talk about as third point. It's not me, it's not you, but I'm talking about this organization or this process that we can look at and talk at, talk about collectively. And I think sometimes having that external person who's not so emotionally connected, although I will say now I'm very emotionally connected <laughs> with Halifax, but to be able to have that balcony view as well is, is critical. What would you say, and this question is for both of you, uh, what are your takeaways from all of this? What have you learned? If you were to go back to the beginning, what might you do differently? Or perhaps another way of asking that would be if another school was just beginning this journey tomorrow, what words of wisdom might you have for them? Well, I think what I would say with Halifax is that Michael and the superintendent provided the teacher's time and space to undertake this journey. So I would say what Halifax did correctly is what I see other people not doing is that they want to move too fast in this process. Okay. And uh, Michael was able to provide his teachers many months to go through the empathy process. And empathy is often rushed and, and you don't learn from your stakeholders the way that you need to. So, so modeling what Halifax did and taking this four or five, six months empathy journey, which as you know, in education, people don't want to take that amount of time um, to begin a process. But if you start slow, you can then move fast. And I think that's what you're hearing Halifax doing is they have the discretion of time and space and now they're able to move at a quicker pace. Yeah, I just echo that. I think initially for for myself and the teachers was breaking the mold of let's solve it today. Uh, because in education, that's a lot of times what folks want to do. They, they want to put a Band-Aid on it. Let's, let's get it done. Let's, let's try this new initiative. Let's start it today. Uh, but I think you have to truly sit down and think about and study a process. And, and I think moving forward, that, that's exactly what we intend to do even more of. Uh, now that we have these things in place, let's just not leave them in place. Let's make sure they're actually working. Let, let's study them. Let's look at the data. Uh, let's go back and make changes as necessary. Uh, I think an important part of this process that I don't think either of us mentioned that innovation also can be take things off the table. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean always adding. So we have taken some things completely off the table as well. And, and that's part of being innovative is too, willing to say, hey, this is not working. Or, Michael said, even stopping programs that they were seeing results from in order to put something even more effective into place. 
And so, for example, earlier Karen mentioned that Halifax redesigned their flight time. That's the program where students were able to get additional tutoring or support. And it's not that it wasn't working. It was. Uh, but the, the downside to the enrichment program flight time was that only certain students were able to participate. So they were being pulled from another class uh, to go get enrichment in whatever area they need. So being willing to scrap flight time and bring in, we don't have a name for it yet, we're still working on that, bring in an enrichment program where students had opportunity to, to get extra help uh, in academic courses, but also something they were interested in. In, in some cases, it, it might be fishing class uh, or, or baseball and or drama class you know, they were able to go to for these 30, 35 minutes, something they had a choice in. So they registered by choice and chose these classes. So some chose they needed pre-calculus tutoring. Some chose they needed SAT prep help. Uh, and, of course, some chose to do your other other classes too, culinary arts and, and these things like that. So, so being able to, to pull things off the table that were largely effective, I mean, flight time had been proven statistically over a number of years to impact our standards of learning test scores. Uh, but being able to pull that back and incorporate it into a full enrichment program uh, is a very good example of, of being innovative and taking something away and bringing something even more effective in. You need to trust the process. And that comes with developing trust with your team. And that comes with understanding that this design thinking process is a journey and that you can't accomplish change overnight. And that educators like Michael, who allow teachers and the schools and the districts to take time to accomplish that change, will see demonstrably increased student achievement and efficacy of the process. But if you rush it, it's not going to be as successful. And that's important. Well, we have been speaking with Dr. Karen Sanzo of Old Dominion University and Michael Lewis, principal of Halifax County High School in Virginia. Karen and Michael, thank you both for your time today and the insights you've brought. Great. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Did you know new episodes of Field Trip are released every two weeks? Don't miss a single one. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education. Frontline's industry-leading software is designed exclusively for K-12 and is built to help school systems recruit, hire, engage, develop, and retain their employees. For more information, visit frontlineeducation.com slash fieldtrippodcast. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.